It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin, and we are wrapping up our pre-season positional rankings for the 2023 class of campers ahead of week zero of college football kicking off this weekend, Colin, where we made it. We we made it. Well, we didn't make it yet, unfortunately. <laughs> if you look at the nihilistic to approach to it, we didn't make it yet, but we're very close. Um, we made it uh, to our last preseason podcast, which is very exciting. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to talk talk about these prospects. Yeah, so it's it's an exciting time. We're we're wrapping it up. Camp Dynasty's first summer scouting era, if you will, and we're we're heading into phase two of our season, which is the college football season. But before we get there, we have a little bit of a combo episode here, a little hybrid. We're sandwiching two positional groups together. Um, those would be the tight ends. And the IDPs, because we do that here, IDPs, Individual Defensive Players. Um, and so we're going to do three of each of those. So technically, it's a bonus episode. You get one extra. We're going through six players here. Just, uh, you know, three three in tight ends and three IDPs. But I, I do have a couple of shout-outs for my tight ends. So I just want to throw that in there. I am going to cheat a little bit. I like that. I like kind of smuggling in a little extra content. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm here for. So, um, and then, well, when we're done, just to tie the bow on what I said to start, week zero is coming up. We're not going to do a deep dive into week zero, but we're going to save that for week one. However, there is one team playing in week zero that I would like to bring to your attention if you don't already know that it's happening. So we'll save that for the end. I'm teasing you (laughs) On your own podcast. <laughs> I, I love a tease. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into it. So we're going to start with tight ends. Um, and so just to kind of set up this class as a whole, if you're not aware, it's regarded as a good tight end class overall. Last year was a deep class, but not a top-heavy class. There was buzz even last year that the upcoming class, the 2023 group, had some real superstar potential. So I was really excited to jump into some of these players. And I don't know about you, but I was not disappointed. Yeah, these guys are a lot of fun. It's It was hard to like find actual good content on like scouting them, <laughs> but... The, the stuff that I found and, and the guys that emerged were a lot of fun to watch and, like, extraordinary athletes, guys who can do it all, which is kind of the definition of a tight end. Yeah, and that is that was the hurdle here. If you are, a, you know, an internet scout, a YouTube scout, you will have some difficulty finding tape on these guys right now. So um, that, that kind of... Uh, you know, I, I'm putting a little bit of a disclaimer on my rankings that they may be incomplete from a national perspective. When you pull up the watch lists, not all those guys are out there. So I haven't watched some guys that may be, uh, in the end, guys that are in, in my top three or my top five. Um, but 
working with what we got, I got some pretty good names here. So let's let's kick it off here. What, give me your number three tight end. I uh, I'm actually going to stop you again because I love <laughs> doing this before we start it, our. You're rankings. getting good at this. Yeah. It's... Uh, so when when we talk tight ends, there's there's an idea of these these can't miss prospects. There's an idea of elite tight end prospects, right? And we see guys year after year come out, and it's like, yeah, this is the tight end. He can do it all. Got guys like Evan Ingram. Got guys like O.J. Howard. Looking at Eric Ebron, David Njoku. And it doesn't quite work. So how do you go into looking at these tight ends with that in the back of your mind where it's like, okay, there's these elite receivers coming out of college that play the tight end position. And a lot of the times they just don't work out. And the guys that go later just end up working out better. How do you kind of navigate this, this weird tight end landscape and, and the idea of projection with tight ends? You're asking me how I do that. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I'm wondering if you have an If you don't, I mean, obviously okay. NFL scouts don't either. Right. Yeah. No. So that's, I mean, I, I do have a theory on this. And I mean, this is actually going to come up, I think, in our in our rankings today, if I was guessing. I mean, it's going to come up for me. So I think tight ends are a position group where we we've talked a lot about projection with all of these guys so far. I mean, even quarterbacks, but Tight ends is a group where you you're doing a lot of projection because a lot of times you end up just gravitating towards these ridiculous athletes at the position. These huge 6'5, 250 pound can run a 4'5, four, 4'6, four, you know, that type of player. That that's what gets you going at the tight end position because that's gonna be the real difference maker in theory, right? So does it always work out that way? Not necessarily. Sometimes you see these super technic, like technical technician type tight ends being the ones that kind of rise to the top. And it's, it's actually funny because last year for me, Trey McBride is one of those guys. He he's not a supreme athlete in any sense of the word, but he is so good at playing the position and it, it translated in a major, major way at the college level. That guy ends up being a second round pick. So, you know, we're waiting to see what that looks like in the NFL, but it, it's a classic case of one of those guys who it's regarded as a weaker top end tight end class, but a guy like McBride had a lot to show you on tape. And so I think that kind of, you know, bridges my conversation here about if the, if the guy's not a supreme athlete, often he's not regarded as a top tight end prospect. And oftentimes those, those super raw players just, just don't pan out. Right. And then you look at a guy like Isaiah likely, oh, who boy. is a, a supreme athlete and, uh, played, uh, obviously played this weekend, very strong recency bias with Isaiah likely, but had a hundred yards in that game. So he's at front of mind where it's like you do see this guy who's a supreme athlete, but he's very raw, doesn't have a lot on tape, and so gets picked in the fourth round, obviously goes to a perfect situation with Baltimore, who is just churning out tight end after tight end, and will be behind Mark Andrews, but if they go run heavy, 
go-to tight end sets. He, he could be seeing the field a lot. And uh, so it, it's just – it's really hard is basically where I'm framing this discussion is, like, do you can go with the, the supreme athlete. And, like, Kyle Pitts had one of the best rookie seasons of all time and is a freak athlete. But also you have all of your technical guys that are – the pure like dual threat in terms of like blocking and receiving where you look at your George Kittles and your Travis Kelsey's who are the elite of the elite of the position. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's really interesting that, uh, you know, guys like, like, it's just funny to me because look, pull up PFF, you know, this is, we're a PFF show now. Apparently we reference this every (laughs) single week. Trey McBride, and Isaiah Likely were the top two graded tight ends in all of college football last season. And they couldn't be more different on, on that sort of prospect plane of existence. Uh, and, and, I mean, obviously, like you said, it's completely recency bias. We have no idea what Likely is going to look like in a real you know NFL yeah, setting yeah. over the course of his first season. But to show that much promise definitely puts a guy on the radar. So you start to, you know, you start to think like, you know, maybe there is a little bit more to it than just finding these, you know, super, uh, you know, raw athletes and, and things like that. Like uh, Jelani Woods is a, is a guy that comes to mind where he's got the perfect RAS score and everybody wants to, you know, get in on this. But, um, you know, will he ever develop into the into the a premier tight end to go along with his athletic traits? So with that being said with kind of the the lens that we're looking at these guys with kind of, you know, out in the open here now, your number three tight end for the 2023 group. Let's talk about a super raw, uh, physically gifted tight end in Darnell Washington out of Georgia. Uh, This was a situation where it's betting completely on upside because the most targets he had in the game was two. So there's only so much you can work with in terms of last year. But like we uh, talked about with Jermaine Burton on our wide receiver episode, where we're projecting based on the fact that he did, he, Georgia throws so little, and they're such a run heavy offense that it's like you can't expect these guys to get the ball thrown to them a lot because they don't throw the ball a lot. But when Darnell Washington got the ball thrown to him, he looked special. Uh, he uh, caught almost every single one of his targets, which isn't saying much. Uh, but, I mean, it's saying something. At least he's catching the ball when it's thrown to him. He's six foot seven, 270 pounds. He is a great blocker. He's a like incredible blocker in space. Like when they're throwing screen passes to James Cook, and you can get Darnell Washington out there on like a chip and then going upfield to find a D-back. He makes D-backs look like he's the older cousin at the family reunion playing, you know, touch football in the field. He's he's just bigger than everybody. And uh, that could be skewing my view on him where it's like, yeah, well, he's just bigger than everybody. And in the NFL, he'll be a more average size but i mean the nfl corners are only like 5 10 5 11 2 and he's still six foot seven he's not going to shrink so this is a when you talk about a guy that could play basketball and is going up to get rebounds this is the kind of player that you're talking about 
man, six seven, two seventy is big no matter how you cut it. <laughs> yeah. Th- this exactly. guy's this guy's huge. Yeah. I mean, you watch him and, and it's the first thing that you see. It's not hard it's 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 easy uh to see, you know, six seven on the field. That's what he looks like. He looks massive. Uh and on <laughs> man, what what's crazy to me about about Washington is he's the third best tight end on his own team. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler, maybe spoiler for for these rankings that we're about to talk about, but Brock Bowers is not eligible. Nope, he might He's, be the best one of the crew. That guy is great, <laughs> <laughs> but there's another guy there that might be even better than Washington as well. And I mean that that's just a t- I I don't understand how that how that room got to be that way, but it's kind of crazy. Um, but anyway, Washington, yeah, I mean the. Th- I like big players, man, but 67270 is big. Yeah. So, can he translate at that size to be a good enough athlete to to excel at the NFL level? That's that is what we, you know, the big question mark with him and then obviously the workload. You know, we we haven't seen much cuz he's playing behind these two guys and they're not a, a heavy passing team, so a lot a lot a lot of projection there. Um, but yeah, I mean the size alone with the athletic tools puts him, you know, firmly on the 2023 radar. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a guy that averaged 16 yards per reception almost. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's not a dink and dunk guy and he's not even just a red zone threat because he only scored one touchdown, but I, there, there definitely could be a world where he's not an every down tight end and he ends up just being relegated to a red zone role. And he would be extraordinarily successful at that because not only could he go up and get it on most D-backs in the NFL, but he also, like I said before, is a hell of a blocker. So he'd be great as just a goal line package blocker that can leak out and just be bigger than everyone. So my number three tight end, I'm going to preface this by saying that uh, Dalton Kincaid is not my number three tight end, but I'm prefacing this by saying that I wasn't able to find much Kincaid tape. Actually, I couldn't find any full game tape of Kincaid. What I saw in the brief flashes that I was able to find really, really intrigued me. This is a guy that it, it seems to me that he could have been my number three, but I just didn't have enough to, to lock him in there. So I'm prefacing this by saying that I'm watching Kincaid closely this year. He's a guy who could have came out last year. He decided to return to Utah. He'll be a senior. Um, So watching him closely, but a guy that honestly reminded me a lot of Kincaid from a physical standpoint and the sorts of athletic tools that they possess that I decided to lock in at number three is Benjamin Urosik from Stanford. So... Stanford obviously has a, a bit of a storied history with, with tight ends, Zach Ertz, Dalton Schultz, things of that nature. So y- you, you tend to watch these Stanford tight ends. And Urosik is kind of the next guy in line. He was, he was only a sophomore last year. And what he did as a sophomore was very, very impressive. He, he's, he's 6'4", 240. He's very long. He looks very long. It's a, you know, he's a lanky sort of six, four, uh, and he uses it well. I mean, he, he can run, um, he can go up and get it. I mean, this is a guy that flashes a lot of 
physical tools as a younger player. Uh, and it was enough for me to say, I'm, I'm really, you know, interested to see what he does. The reason I kind of juxtapose him with Kincaid is because they're very similar. Kincaid, 6'4", 240. Similar builds, similar play styles from what I could tell uh, of watching Kincaid. So those are two guys kind of, you know, right in line with each other um, that that kind of, you know, I'm putting Urosic as my three now, but Kincaid's kind of right there from what I can see. Um, but two guys that, yeah, it's, it, they're really exciting. Number three tight end, nothing to scoff at in this class. No, not at all. And this is one of the the tight ends that is lining up in the slot just as much as they are in line, which is yes. really, really exciting to see because that's, that's where you see a lot of production out of NFL tight ends is when they can do both. If you can split them out into that slot – and let them kind of run free against a nickel or a safety and beat them with size or beat them with uh, just their pure athletic ability. And so, yeah, Eurosic is the the nice size tight end that you look for, not, <laughs> not your massive human that it's like, well, this guy might not be quick enough. He, he could be a little heavy on the feet, could be a little too tall, but Eurosic is just great. He has a good catch radius. He can make a few people miss every once in a while after the catch. And he's right at that 15 and a half yards per catch mark, which again, a lot of big plays. This guy's going over the middle. He's making plays. He's, he's not a slouch at all. He's not one of these, like a good tight end can be someone that gets open and catches the ball and doesn't do much with it think of like Jason Witten made a career off of that this is not one of those guys he's a guy that makes a ton of plays yep and that's I'm, I'm glad you teed me up there because I forgot to mention the point about the slot he he lines up more in the slot than he does in line and he is a major mismatch there so it, when we talk about fantasy with some of these tight ends I mean you think of a guy, of a guy like you know Mike Gusecki or even you know way on the other side of things with Kyle Pitts Guys that aren't really playing the position in a traditional sense, but they become absolute fantasy, fantasy monsters because of that. Because of that fact, because the tight end group is so shallow, uh, and then you have these you know hybrid receivers playing the position. Urosic is a guy that kind of fits in that same sort of a, a, of a mold in terms of what his role could look like at the next level. Uh, you know, guy runs a lot of post routes out of the slot and just murders people. I mean, he's he's wide open middle of the field type of stuff for, you know, the the 15, 20 yards that you're talking about there. So when I see that, I think about, you know, how can, how can an NFL team use this guy? And then in turn, what is that going to look like from a fantasy perspective? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Number two on your list. So I got another freak athlete. I'm sorry. Can't not do it. But uh, out of South Carolina, I got Jaheim Bell. Uh, Ooh. This this guy, I I couldn't not have him on this list because he just, every time he touches the ball, it's a threat to score. And he looks more like a receiver than he does a tight end. He's only 6'3", 232. Uh, but... He just he my favorite stat to to show the dynamic nature of this player 
is he has 11.8 yards after catch per reception. So he's getting you almost 12 yards after he touches the ball when he gets a catch. That's that's crazy to me. And he's used all over the field. He's using the slot. He's used in line. He's used out wide. And he's used in the backfield in the South Carolina offense. He, he's gotten handoffs. And he's a very patient runner, which is crazy to see out of a tight end. He's also a very powerful runner. He has great vision. He's not a very good blocker. Uh, that's he's small and like he's more of a receiver than he is like a traditional tight end. So that could get him into trouble if he becomes more of a, a tweener and he never really fits into one hole or the other, and then he just kind of fizzles out because he's not a tight end because he can't block, not a receiver because he doesn't quite have the route running. But if not. This this is a special player. He, he's extraordinarily athletic, like above anybody else that I watched. And so him with the ball in his hands is, is pretty scary. Man, I am so happy you put Bell on your list, man. I did not have the stones to put this guy in my <laughs> top three. But, yeah, I, it, well, it, and, and the size, I mean – he he is more of a sort of like an H-back type of a player where when you project him to the NFL level, you know, what sort of role does he have? At this point in time, though, there's so much going on on his on his tape that you have to be paying attention. You, you know, this is not a this is a this is a playmaker at the tight end position. The offensive coordinator from South Carolina, whose name is escaping me at this time, called him Debo 2.0. Yeah. I was going to mention that, but I, you know, I was going to wait. I'm not, I'm not afraid. (laughs) Like this guy, man, he, it's amazing watching him do some of the things. And I mean, they, they even said it themselves over there. Like he's not even, they're not even considering him a tight end in their offense. They're considering him a do it all a wide back basically is what they, is what they're talking about there. So, I mean, man. This guy is is so fun to watch. South Carolina. I mean, Spencer Rattler to Jaheim Bell. That'll be something to watch this season for sure. Yeah, that that's kind of what I'm counting on. I said in the quarterback uh, pod that I, I like Rattler in a new situation this year. So if Jaheim Bell is one of his top targets and he's playing up to his potential that he should have been uh, coming into college – then you could see some some elite production if they're seeing this guy uh, as as good as they see Debo. Um, so if if they're kind of using him everywhere and getting him involved in any sort of play, which they should be, because even if he's not going to directly translate to the NFL, he's a fun player to watch on South Carolina. He is electric. Like it, if there's a Gamecocks game going on. Just just turn it on for a little bit and look out for number zero. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I have a gut feeling that this conversation is gonna get is gonna open it up a little bit. But my number two tight end is Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. So l- let me just ask you: Is this your number one tight end? Yep. Yeah, it is. Okay. So. 
Michael Mayer is a guy who is incredible. He's incredible. And it's a testament to this. I mean, we're gonna, I'll get into it with my number one player. But Michael Mayer is an exceptional tight end prospect. He is big. He's very, he's, I mean, this guy carries some weight, man, and he can move. He's 6'4", 265 listed, and he can move. I mean, he, he can block at that size, and you better be able to block at that size, but he, he can get open. He can run. This guy is about as close to a premier tight end prospect as you can find. Um, and so, I'm, I mean, I have him at number two obviously. So why don't you take away the conversation here on mayor? Yeah. Uh, mayor was kind of the guy. So I, I took my two flyers with, uh, my, my two other guys. And those were my, my freak athletes that may or may not translate to the NFL. Michael Mayer, I felt was the slam dunk to be the best NFL prospect where he's a guy that you are confident playing all three downs that you can just stick at the end of the line and expect him to do the right thing every single play. And so Mayer is what you would think of as a prototypical tight end. And I, I don't know. It's it's hard to comp tight ends. Like I, I tried to think of some comps for some guys and it's like, yeah, I mean he's good. He's just like a nice player. Like I don't know. I hate comps. I, yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. People love comps. I hate comps. I I try my best to do comps, but with with these guys, it's just like Michael Mayer gets open when he goes out for routes, and is a very smart blocker when he stays in line. And so, I just feel like he'll carve out a role with any NFL team that drafts him. Yeah, I mean it. Like, I I just, I want to make sure that it's well known that Michael Mayer being my number two tight end does not mean that I don't think he's an elite, elite tight end prospect. That I truly believe that. And and that is, I mean, when I get into it with my number one, I mean, it's a testament to what I think about him that I even have Mayer in this position. I mean, I'm very excited for a potential, uh, influx of some top end tight end talent in the NFL because every single year we talk about this how the position is so shallow it needs help you know suddenly you know Darren Waller gets a little older Mark Andrews comes in but we still only have four guys like that it's really frustrating and so my hope is that you know this class can produce at least two guys that can kind of enter enter that mold Um, and I think Mayer definitely has the chops to be one of them yeah, I agree. This this is a an NFL prospect through and through. And I just I just think this is as as close to can't miss as I'm comfortably saying in this class. Yeah, and I mean Notre Dame man, yeah. tight end you. This guy's <laughs> broken all the records there for a tight end. He's he's setting all the records there. That that is a testament to his skill set. Um but Kind of like uh, what we talked about at the top of the show, some of those Notre Dame tight ends, you know, it's Kyle Rudolph. Are you, are you Kyle Rudolph or, you know, are you going to be more than that? So I think Mayer's a lot better than that, but uh, I guess we'll find out. Yep. My number one tight end is Eric Gilbert. 
Eric Gilbert has athletic ability that is incredibly, incredibly rare at the tight end position. And let let me put some color on that too. It's not only athletic ability. It's athletic ability comboed with skill. I mean, this guy's not just a big athlete out there. He is a legitimate weapon at the tight end position as a supreme, supreme athlete. Now, why is he not in your top three? And why am I not surprised that he's not in your top three? Because Eric Gilbert is a name that is almost non-existent in the college football sphere over the last year and change. Why is that? So Eric Gilbert was a top recruit, goes to LSU, has an unbelievable freshman season, all things considered, for a tight end in the SEC. Looks to be a no-doubt top prospect, top player. He's going to set all the records. He's going to be a top 10 tight end pick in the NFL. Then things just kind of fall apart for Eric Gilbert. And he leaves the Tigers. He leaves the program. And there's a lot of speculation as to why that happened. A lot of rumors. Some people, I mean, I just to, you know, put, put some, you know, rumors out there, I guess. You can, I mean, you can look all this up, but mental health issues were brought up. Academic performance was brought up. Um, essentially anything you can think of for why a player would step away from the team, it was linked to Eric Gilbert. So nobody really knows what in the end of the day happened with him. He transfers to Georgia and then he doesn't play last year. He just, he he basically steps away from the team still. So we're now dealing with a season and a half of Gilbert being MIA and People are wondering, you know, what is going on? I mean, people are asking Kirby Smart, where is this guy? We want to see him. He is a premier talent. Um, Well, he's back. And if you caught Georgia's spring game, their practice game, you would see Eric Gilbert doing Eric Gilbert things for Georgia. He had two touchdowns in in the spring practice game. So I am... Putting my flag in this player right now that the 2022 season will return will give us the clarity here of a player that was seemingly preordained to be a generational tight end prospect. I mean, his own coaches at LSU called him Megatron 2. They're, they're talking about a tight end. And they're comparing him to Calvin Johnson because he's that much of a physical specimen at the position. So I'm putting that all out there because you're going to hear it when you watch Georgia. If you watch back that spring game I referenced, the commentator said it three different times that this guy stepped away from the team for undisclosed reasons, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be a major talking point with him if you're watching Georgia. But my... God, is this guy an unbelievable athlete and player at the position at, at, a, at a position where that is so rare. And man, I, I, I truly believe that the sky is the limit for this guy.
So we got Calvin Johnson and Debo Samuel. Right. Both. And that's that's the coaching staff. That's not me. Yeah. Uh, So Gilbert, this is this is a quote from Eric Gilbert. He said, "Coming home, I believe, was a smart decision. I wanted to be with and near my family. I've been missing all of my family, and now both of my grandmothers will be able to see me play in person too." Talking about him missing and then coming to Georgia. So it it's it's not some huge conspiracy right that being said this is not a person that i i watched and not was not a person on my radar but will be going forward because uh, like i said not somebody that i even looked into at this point so i i'm excited to see this player in the georgia offense uh because they i mean sorely need a passing game to to get going at some point hopefully yeah, and you can find you can find some tape from his freshman year at LSU, and you will watch a freshman tight end doing things for LSU that are like, wow, you're playing alongside Terrace Marshall, and you're looking like potentially the best receiver on the field. And I mean, I I don't want any shots at Terrace Marshall right now, but man, he 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 looked outstanding, and I am I'm I'm just really excited to watch him. He's he's listed at six four two fifty. I, I the see guy, six five. Six five two fifty. He's huge. Yeah. <laughs> he's huge, and he doesn't he doesn't look like that at all. He moves like a wide receiver. No joke. It is it's remarkable. I'm not going to even say the word Kyle Pitts, but some people you know. They talk about it. He he's got that sort of a profile and that sort of a uh, you know if, if he shows out this year like Pitts, in in Pitts last season for Florida, I mean that was an ex that was an explosion. He was I mean he was regarded as a top prospect, but that was like you became a top four pick in the NFL. I'm not saying Gilbert's going to do that, but I'm saying he could easily play his way into the top ten this year. I hope we see Georgia line up with some three tight end sets. <laughs> that's what i'm saying man you got brock bowers and you got this guy yeah. and you got washington yet on top of it he's like a an add-on yeah but he's a top you know potential nfl i mean he probably will be an nfl player so it's like wow man all right i i i've been waiting i, I wanted to talk about gilbert i mean i i love zach evans like he's gonna be my guy in this class but gilbert might be right there and it's it, maybe it's the mystery Maybe it's the intrigue that he brings to the table, but man, he's got he's got some crazy skills. Another guy, watch him. We're talking about this last week. High school tape. Find some <laughs> Eric Gilbert in high school, man. This guy was wow. Was he untouchable? Two thousand yards in his in his senior season. Jesus. All right, that's tight ends. We got a whole other position group to go. Yeah, here. we do. So. Um, IDPs, this is obviously something that's going to vary based off of your individual scoring in your league. However, for, for our purposes, I feel like we're, we're getting to a point with, with IDPs where scoring systems that reward big plays are becoming more welcomed. Uh, traditionally it was all about the tackles. So the linebackers were kind of the cream of the crop. 
Now we see these scoring formats coming in where, you know, a, a premier edge rusher might be that sort of, you know, quote unquote running back of your defense where they can single-handedly, you know, swing you a week occasionally. Um, so that's kind of what I went into my rankings or went into watching the tape thinking about was kind of that, you know, more uh, defensive lineman forward scoring approach. And what I found was that even if I wasn't doing that, I still may have excluded linebackers from my list. Yeah, I I agree. I was going to say the same thing. I was like, you know, there's not, there's nothing like having that consistent tackle machine linebacker in your lineup. If you're sitting there like last year, sitting there with Roquan Smith, you're getting 12 tackles a game. That's, that's like having a, a elite wide receiver. That's just pumping you out 15, 20 points a game. And then you throw a sack on top of it or a pick or a fumble recovery. It's like, you know, it's, it's crazy. And then it's Darius Leonard for a while where it's just the, the consistent playmakers that are also racking up tackles. But in this class, you just don't see that guy because the captain of your IDP is still probably going to be a linebacker at the end of the day because there's not enough elite edges to go around. Like you have your TJ Watt, you have your Miles Garrett, you have your your few guys that are going to get 15 or so sacks. And, and that is extraordinarily valuable. But that's also a very shallow group. It, I always likened it to tight ends, where it's like you have your top four, and then after that, it, it gets pretty thin. But with this 2023 class, it, it seems like there's a lot of edges to go around versus linebackers. I, I didn't see a guy like a Roquan, like a, a Fred Warner, like a Darius Leonard, where it's, it's a guy that's going to just rack up a ton of tackles and be a smart coverage player so you you're comfortable playing them on all three downs and you're not just playing them on likely rundowns yeah i mean if you're if you're playing idp last year devin lloyd there's no devin lloyd in this class like that that's where we are with this group of linebackers i mean these maybe we'll get a surprise this year but based off the guys that i watched some of the top names, you know, in college football at the position wasn't wasn't really doing it for me. So I have three edge players in my top three. Spoiler, why don't you give me your number three IDP? I'm, I'm not sure there's even a N'Kobe Dean. Like, I, I know there's not a Devin no. Lloyd, but I like N'Kobe no, Dean not. went in the third round in the NFL draft. I mean, that was due to some health things too, but – well, in terms of talent, I don't know. But my number three guy is also I, – I also have three edge guys, so we're just going to talk only edge here. Uh, but <laughs> my my third guy is Felix Anadike Uzoma out of Kansas State. So this this is a guy that has about three moves in his bag, and he's super bendy. So basically, he's going to try to get around you. And then if he can't, he's got this kind of push into you where he shifts over to the left side because he's usually rushing off the right. So he'll, he'll, he'll get around the right, try to bend. If they, the tackle counters it, 
he'll dip inside and be right in the QB's face. If that doesn't work, he also has a spin move, doesn't use it very much. But this this is just a guy that bets on athleticism and usually wins. He he's has great hands where tackles really can't get their hands on him. He reminds me of like a discount Kayvon, where Kayvon was like, I'll bend around that edge, but Kayvon got off a lot faster and was way more athletic. So that, that's why it's a discount here, and he's at number three. Because he gets off a little slower, and he doesn't have the burst that Kayvon has, but he, he, can, he can work. He had six sacks in a game against TCU, uh, which isn't saying much because their old line was garbage and their off and their quarterback's not very good, but he dominated that game. He he controlled the entire pace of their offense. Six. He he had four sacks and two forced fumbles, but the forced fumbles went forward past the line of scrimmage, so they don't count as sacks. But they're technically they they're sacks to me because he forced fumble behind the line of scrimmage. Man. <laughs> Um, I'm going to take your word for it. I didn't watch him, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, man, between uh, this guy and, and Deuce Vaughn, there's some reasons to watch Kansas State this year, I'll tell you that. Yeah, this guy. I, and, again, the the thing that bothers me most about Andy DK is the get off. It seems like like the problem is I watched Will Anderson first, <laughs> who's my number one, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, where it's like – Will Anderson is going the second the ball is snapped. And then I watch Andy DK and it's like, he just seems slow, but that, that might be biased based on the fact that I watched Will Anderson first. Yeah. You gotta, wa- you gotta watch Will Anderson separate from yeah. any other player yeah. <laughs> because I, I had the exact same experience with some of the guys I was watching where I was like, are you slow or are you just not Will Anderson? Exactly. So, all right. Well, I, my my number three is uh, is Andre Carter, the second okay. from Army of, oh, of all yeah. places. We got we got an Army prospect here, potentially uh, elite pass rushing prospect. Um, one of the one of the talking points that you might hear was that this was the uh, number two graded pass rusher after Aiden Hutchinson last year in all of college football, according to PFF. So. When you see something like that, Hutchinson goes one, you know, you, you put this guy in your radar. Um, honestly, like I thought he was kind of similar to Hutchinson in a lot of ways. Like, I, you know, I, I thought uh, last year's edge class was, I think, widely considered good, but not elite. And I think Carter was is the kind of guy that he's he would have been in that conversation last year with what right alongside Thibodeau and, and Hutchinson and that sort of a tier as a pass rusher, but man, he is, he's just productive as all hell. And I mean, you can talk about, you know, playing at army and things like that, but there's a few games on the schedule that kind of, you know, jump out at you a little bit, uh, you know, bigger, bigger programs playing against uh, Wisconsin was on the schedule. Um, one of the games that I watched was wake forest he looked really, really dominant in that game. Um, just a lot of pressure. Lot. He's a he's a huge player. Huge player. Six seven, two sixty. But he can move really, really well. He's got a little bit of bend. Even uses his arms really well as as a pass rusher. So he he really has a, a nose for the for the quarterback. And at that size, 
to be able to move in the ways that he does, it's it was really uh, really fun to watch, and I'm I'm really excited for for what he can be with with another year under his belt. Yeah, and I lo- I like that he plays on both sides of the line too, and he's he's just as good on either side. So this was yeah army whatever blah blah. If you're dominant, you're dominant. I mean, it's not always true at the edge position, but at 67260 with technique it's pretty impressive i don't have him in my top 3 but he's really similar to the next guy i want that i'm going to talk about where it's these big guys that are not perfect in the run game but are really really good against the pass yeah and i mean you talk about level of competition you want to see a guy who doesn't play against the top teams every week put up really really good numbers and Carter has that. Yeah. He was, you know, tied for the league lead in, in sacks last year with 15. So take away the competition. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing against those teams, and he was looking good against the better teams on that schedule as well. Yeah, he had four multiple sack games. He had two three sack games, one against UMass, one against Georgia State. So he's he's definitely putting together the games that he's supposed to against the lower competition teams. Well, based on what you just said, I, I have a feeling that our number two player is the same. I have Miles Murphy. All right. Yeah, me too. Yeah, out of Clemson. He is tall. He's long. He So he's 6'5", 275, out of Clemson, number 98. He is very good at, at just getting pressure. He – oh, my I, – I don't – again, I don't know if this is because I watched Will Anderson first. And Will Anderson is incredible, but how many times he's getting caught by ball fakes? Really just like, I'm like, bro, what are we doing? But he he is has an exceptional bull rush. He can line up inside and out. He is extraordinarily just physical in general. He, he is not afraid to get hands on somebody. He's not one of these finesse rushers where it's like, I'm going to dip. I'm going to stay outside. I'm going to contain. Nah, he's coming. And sometimes that's to his detriment. But a lot of times it's creating a lot of havoc for the quarterback. Yeah, that's, that is exactly what I thought as well with Murphy. I mean, you talk about a guy, 275. So yeah. when you're watching Will Anderson, I mean, this is a guy that's 30 pounds heavier than Will Anderson is. And he's got some real burst off the line of scrimmage for a guy this mm-hmm. size it's crazy and and so it, it is one of those things where you're you're almost you know I'm not gonna like he was he was a good player last year like let's not get that mixed up but like there is a, a decent amount of projection with him where you just see a guy that's this big and that quick where you start to say okay you know he was good last year but I think he could be a top five pick in the NFL draft, uh, given his his tool set and and the the flashes that he has. Now, I will say, for a guy that size, like you said, you'd like to see him play the run a little bit better. He just he over pursues a lot of times. He he really commits uh, and he he does kind of get behind the play too often. So that's definitely you know an area of, of improvement for him, but. Uh, just the tools alone, just, uh, you know, the, the burst that he has at that size is, is really, really crazy. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I think he's going to be, a, you know, 
He's going to be easily a top 10 pick in the NFL. So he's going to be well on the radar in terms of uh, drafting IDPs. Yeah. And the, the biggest thing that I, that popped out when I was just going through the box score afterwards was he had two games where he missed every tackle he attempted. (laughs) (laughs) He, uh, if you look at, uh, again, we're a PFF podcast. Uh, He had two games where he had a 17.5 tackle grade and a 21 tackle grade because he missed a hundred percent of his tackles. And that, that's not great. Uh, But he, uh, he got pressures in both of those games. So, you know, the, the, the box score doesn't mean everything where you can affect the game without making tackles, without actually filling up the stat sheet. But when it comes to fantasy value, you, you got to fill the box score. Right. And you talk, I mean, we've talked with some of these guys about how did you finish? How, where did you start? Where did you finish? Murphy was a guy that got progressively better as the season went on yeah. his last two games of the year, six hurries and seven hurries. Uh, that was almost 33% of his entire production of, of overall hurries for the entire season. So he was, you know, he was on a war path and that might, you know, lead to the idea that 2022 could look really, really special for this player. Yeah. And then, well, if you, what, did you watch the Georgia tape with, uh, Murphy? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple plays where he bullied offensive linemen into having to like hold on for dear life. So that that being his worst game and then him progressing forward and getting better throughout the season is is really nice to see. Absolutely. And speaking of terrorizing Georgia. Yes. Number yeah. one, it's no surprise if you know anything about anything in college football nowadays, it's Will Anderson who I'm just going to start our conversation off by saying I just said before I don't like doing comps at all, especially really, really good player comps. Will Anderson is Von Miller, man. <laughs> yeah, You said this to me uh, a couple days ago. You're like, yeah, Will Anderson is Von Miller. I was like, oh, wow. And then I, because I hadn't gotten around to watching the tape yet, and then I watched the tape and I was like, Jesus, this guy – is a freak. I, I've never God, like I've watched a lot of like I watched Miles Garrett when he was back at AM. He's of all the players that I've ever scouted, Miles Garrett still to this day is my top rated player. Like watching Miles Garrett was like a, a spiritual experience <laughs> for me. This is the closest that I've ever gotten since watching Miles Garrett to feeling that way about a player. I mean, the things that Will Anderson can do, and it doesn't always show up. That's the crazy thing, man. He literally, talk about Andre Carter having 15 sacks, leads the nation. Will Anderson had 15 sacks, and there was probably 15 on the table. <laughs> that just They were, they were pressures. They yeah. weren't, you didn't finish them, but... This guy is is an unstoppable force at the edge position. He, he it's unbelievable watching him play. And the thing is, yes, he's an unstoppable force, but he's also an extraordinarily heady player. It's not where as you see with Miles Murphy and Andre Carter even and uh 
the uh, Felix and Aduke Uzoma, where it's not every rep. Like, mo- they'll take plays off. Will Anderson is in the right place every play. He is setting an edge. He's unselfish. Because, like, a lot of pass rushers are about their stats, which is admirable. Will Anderson could have had, like you said, probably 15 more sacks. He had 82 total pressures. That's ridiculous. And But you, you look at the tape, and he's oftentimes setting his teammates up for success. It's, it's often Will Anderson running on a stunt to get a D lineman in, to get Christian Harris a free rush. He's taking on two blockers, and somebody else can get the pressure. He's setting the edge, so the running back has to cut up field and get tackled by Christian Harris. You see a lot of Christian Harris in Will Anderson's tape because Will Anderson is forcing everything to Christian Harris. And so Will Anderson is an extraordinarily smart player, but he he's also just a freak on the edge. He He has every tool in the bag in terms of finesse. And he can beat you with power. It's not his like strong suit, but that's because the finesse is so good. He he can bend around. He can he can beat you. He basically just beats you off the line of scrimmage, and then decides what to do afterwards. It's like, am I gonna dip and get on your outside shoulder and then hit the quarterback in the back and probably get it like a strip sack or? Am I, are you overcompensating for the fact that I beat you off the line of scrimmage? And am I going to dip back to the inside and have just a free lane at the quarterback? It, it's it's like watching a master at work, watching Will Anderson. He is literally a terror. The, this is the pleasure of watching college players. But like This is the pleasure of scouting right here, is when you come across a guy like Will Anderson and watching the tape is literally like unbelievably fun. It's like, what's Will going to do on this play? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. He did it again. Like the Georgia tape, the national championship game. I remember watching that game live and being like, Oh my God, dude, Will is everywhere. You watch it back. Now he had, he didn't have a sack in that game. He did not have a sack in the national title game. He was the most disruptive player on either side of the ball in the entire game. He was making Stetson Bennett's life living hell for the entirety of that game. And it was with the things that you're saying. This is not, you know, he's 243. This is not a a big, you know, he's big, but he's not like really, really big. You know, like Miles Murphy is this tank rusher who's like 275 and all this. Anderson looks trim. I mean, he's not like the biggest player out there, but he can win in every way imaginable. He's overpowering guys. And then just when you think that the, you know, he's got the he's he's working the bull rush a couple snaps in a row. He's just he's taking this guy to town. Suddenly he turns on the Jets and 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 it, he's just gone because the guy's like, "Well, I'm sick of getting pushed backwards by this guy." And then all of a sudden you get that. And then there's this, you know, there's one play where the man with the center, oh, this guy got just hung out to dry. 
Anderson's unblocked on the edge. The the center is responsible for pulling and getting to the edge after the snap. <laughs> yeah, good luck yeah. with that, man. Yeah. He didn't even get to the tackle before <laughs> Will was sacking Stetson Bennett. Man, it it's just it it is a serious pleasure to watch this guy play, and you know, especially after last year. I mean, I like those guys. I like Thibodeau. I like Hutchinson, but. Man, we didn't have a pass rusher like this. We we might, you know, you got to go back to Chase Young. And honest to God, man, I mean, people call Chase Young generational, but I I, I think Will Anderson's better than Chase Young, man. It's just he's he's so so good. And and that's zero disrespect to Chase Young. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, Will is just it. It's it's wild to to just watch him go to work. It's like oh this this is just a guy that's above everybody else and i i mentioned it before with uh with felix where it's the get off anderson every single play is putting the tackle like when he's on the edge he's making that tackle no i'm coming as soon as that ball lifts off the turf and that's got to be terrifying as an offensive tackle. Like you, obviously you're going to double team them, but is the double team even going to get there in time is the problem with, with Will Anderson and, and his elite get off. It's, is this guy off sides? Like sometimes it's, you're just looking at it. It's like, did, did he go off sides and you rewind? It? It's like, Oh no, he just no, like instantly is getting off the ball. And so that just sets up every single move that he has in his tool bag. It's, it's ridiculous. And uh, yeah, the 2022 class, it's cool. Like Aiden Hutchinson, very good, very good power rusher. He's has great hands. Thibodeau, good speed rusher, a lot of bend. He can get to the quarterback. Will Anderson is, is better than both of them. And I feel very comfortable saying that. And like you said, it's it's been a while since we've seen a guy like this. He would he would have been a no, no doubt. Yeah, number one pick last year. Yeah, and no, no question. And I guess yeah, he, he's better than Trayvon Walker too. We can say that too. <laughs> yeah, is man. <laughs> Whatever team is picking in the top three this year that doesn't need a quarterback is getting a nice shiny little present with this guy because this this is going to be, you know, th- th- this god. I I'm just I hate, thinking about how I don't have I don't have the I don't have the picks to get to get this guy this year in the draft and I need to go get something. I I hate that we sit here and we've been on every preseason episode and we're like, yeah, this number one player is <laughs> incredible. This guy is like the best thing since sliced bread. But honestly, with Bijan, with Jackson Smith and Jigba, and with Will Anderson, any of these guys are going to be an elite tool for whatever team drafts them. Listen, let's put it this way. If you play Dynasty, you have heard for years at this point that the 2023 class was the one to get to save up for. You know, everyone's saying, you know, ditch your 2022 picks. Get in on 2023 while you still can. Well, after running through these positional groups, man, 
I'm on board for it. I, I was ready to call it, you know, hype and BS and everybody thinks the next year is always better. I I'm in for it. I'm in for it this year. And it extends to guys like to Will Anderson too. If you're playing IDPs, you want to have this guy in your, in your D line spot. I don't, I don't have enough 2023 picks. I only have, <laughs> I have, I have I three in one league and two in, in a, in our league. And I, I wish I had more. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be you know a long road dealing, talking about these campers and then having to face the cold reality of not having enough picks to get any of the guys that I want. I'm so trade Brees Hall today. Okay. Just, <laughs> Oh man. Well, okay. Well that, that's it, man. We, we made it. That, yeah. That's the 2023, the, the preliminary 2023 camper reports, all of the positional groups we've ran through. What is it now? 20, six players a few honorable mentions thrown in there so we got we got a good little head start here um and and college football is is right around the corner like i said this weekend is is week zero so you you know you may call that the the official start of the college football season but it doesn't really start until next the the following weekend the first weekend of september that's when all the big programs come out to play but uh, there is one team that's playing next weekend. Uh, did you did you happen to see that the the Wyoming Cowboys have a game? I, yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I actually looked up the FBS slate to see when Wyoming played, so I could see my guy Titus Swen. But they're playing on like the Wyoming Yes Sports or whatever, and so I don't know if I'm going to be able to catch that game live, unfortunately. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> Just head on out to Wyoming for a weekend. Just, you know, I, crash at someone's. Listen, I have to go to Yellowstone, so we might as well. There you go. There it is. There's your excuse. Watch Titus <laughs> week zero. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's not a the, – the slate of games is, is certainly nothing to, uh, you know, to get super excited about. Not really any programs playing that have uh, guys that we're going to be following closely with this season. Um, but we, you know, next week when we come back here, we're going to have a, you know, a little bit of a preview for the, for the official week one start of college football, knowing which games to look out for and things of that nature. Sorry. It's on the big 10 network. I think I'm gonna be able to there. watch that one. I was thinking of uh, fighting the, Illini. I was thinking of the, uh, the, the Texas game that's on Texas's own network. Ah, so that one's going to yeah, be hard to watch. Longhorns. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 you're good. You're good. So we're going to catch Titus this weekend, I guess. If you got Big Ten Network, you can do that too. But for now, we are transitioning away from this quote-unquote phase one and into phase two. But before we get there, we have some campfire stories to share. Colin, do you have a story for me this week? I I have a story for you. I have a little bit less fun of a story than I had in previous uh, weeks. So, and this also is not about uh, one of our current campers. It's about a former camper. Uh, so, you know, we get the we get the camp reports. Right, we're sitting in the in the camp cabin, the counselor cabin, and uh, the reports come in, 
and we get a, a report and it says Kayvon Thibodeau he's down it's uh, looking bad grabbing at the knee it's like oh and really in games that don't matter uh, and then you see he's he gets up on his own under his own power walking around that's a good sign but you never know with an ACL uh, it could still be torn you could still walk on it it just hurts a little bit uh, luckily we get back good news only out three to four weeks with an MCL sprain he might play week one probably more likely week two but then you, you see the play and this this Bengals alignment is coming on a run play and does the cut block it's legal but it's it's kind of dirty for a preseason game uh, so I, I just I was thinking and uh, I was thinking about the, these guys that are trying to make a roster these guys that are going all out and should the preseason exist <laughs> is where I landed because I, I was trying to figure out a solution for how to prevent this kind of thing from happening and you, you can't if you're going to have games that don't matter you're going to want to get your rookies in there to warm them up for the season you're going to want to you know get you guys back in the swing of things it's like basically joint practices with a scoreboard uh, but when you're trotting out your top 10 draft pick and some guy that's trying to make a roster, that that can always lead to scary things like this. So uh, I guess my, my campfire story is that Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be okay despite a dirty legal play, but we should abolish preseason. You know, there's a lot of ways that I thought you were going to go with that, and abolishing the preseason wasn't the direction I expected, but, man, do I support the hell out of that. Because I <laughs> I tweeted abolish the preseason after the Zach Wilson incident, another yep. former camper, which also I love how every player is a former camper yeah. in their own way. Every single, Carson Palmer, <laughs> former camper. <laughs> yeah. But, the, I mean, Thibodeau and Wilson, guys that have actually watched, they they do feel like campers from a from a lifetime ago. But, yeah, I I, I mean it. To, I mean, and and no disrespect, because there's been a lot of players so far that have torn their ACLs in the preseason, including a Giants player in that same game. Yeah. Um. But, uh, we've we've avoided two. ACL tears with Wilson and Thibodeau that are, you know, these premier talents, Wilson heading into this pivotal second season for the Jets and Thibodeau heading into his, you know, much anticipated rookie season. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm all for it. Screw the preseason. I'm, I'm done with it. It's, it's just not worth it, but it's generated. I, the, the direction I thought you were going to go around the campfire tonight was uh, the the sort of rhetoric that has erupted with the play itself, whether or not it was a quote-unquote dirty play. You've had a lot of analysts coming yeah. out and saying, listen, any writer who's saying this is dirty doesn't know football. And I think the sentiment that's missed there is it's not 
it, it the game the the meaning behind the game is not worth <laughs> the even putting people in that position yeah. i think and and you can say it, it's a very fair assessment that Thibodeau should have played the block better he definitely put himself into a position to receive it in that sort of a you know potentially harmful way but at the same time, uh, the, the, the person who threw the block was none other than Randy Moss's son, actually. It's Thad Moss, the tight end. So, you know, he's he's out there. He's fighting, you know, AFC champion Bengals. But, yeah, I just I don't see how it's worth it to, to throw a, a move like that in a preseason game. That's, that's kind of where I'm thinking. It's like, yes, I, I understand it's a fully legal football play. And I, I understand when a guy's like, well, if you think that's a bad play, you don't know ball. It's like, well, yes, I get that if it's week six and, like, you're fighting for, like, a wild card spot or you're the Bengals and you're trying to win your division. It's like, I get that. Like, you, you can throw a cut block at an elite defensive end. Cool. But when you're playing in a meaningless game, and I, I just want to keep putting emphasis on that, you're playing in a game that does not count for anything. Like, you don't even have to make a tackle on any play because the game is not going to count. Like, th the fact that guys try so hard is because they're trying to make rosters. And it's it's not something that I think should be in the game, but I understand it from a football sense, and I get it from both sides. Kayvon's going all out. He sees a guy diving at his legs, and he just has to react. And his foot's planted. Bad things happen. And Moss is trying to make a play to, you know, cut a defensive end. A very good defensive end. I get it from his side. But when you're diving at guys' legs in a game that doesn't matter, that sucks. Yep. And I mean, if he, if it's, you know, it's coached that way. So he's making the play that, you know, he, the coaches want to see and, and he's making that block, but man, I don't know. It's, it's a bigger discussion. I think that needs to be had there other than just, is it a legal football play? I don't think that's the point there, exactly. but yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it back a little bit here. Um, getting a little bit heavy here in campfire stories. I'm going to go a little bit more lighthearted this week. Um, relating to a 2023 camper, nice. none other than our man Bijan Robinson. Yes, because man, I was I was hanging out back in the in the camp kitchen getting my uh, my lunch the other day, and he was making hot dogs. Grab a hot dog, put a couple in the bun, and I grabbed the bottle of mustard. And what do I find? This is not regular mustard. This is Bijan Mustardson. Bijan Robinson's own line of mustard. Uh, Dijon mustard, uh, obviously there. It is, a, it is a type of Dijon mustard from Bijan. Um, but, yeah, I mean, good for him, first of all. NIL, we'd love to see that. Make, make all your money, man. But... Uh, when I, you know, I had my, I had my, uh, Bijan mustard sin in the, in the cafe and I was like, damn, this is pretty good. I'm going to order myself a bottle of this, um, because I really like this. And I go on to the Bijan mustard store, man. And damn dude, shipping for one bottle of mustard was $7. 
It was going to be a $15 bottle of mustard, and I was like, Bijan, my guy, you got to help me out here. I'm just a camp counselor, man. I just want to try your mustard, but I can't do it <laughs> at $15 a bottle. So uh, this is my call to RB1 and 101 himself, Bijan, to, to help me out here. Let me get a bottle of this mustard without paying an arm and a leg for it. Uh, speaking of an arm and a leg, Bijan also just signed his sixth NIL deal total with uh, Lamborghini. So oh, he is. Uh, he is definitely racking it up so far. He's taken full advantage of being one of the best players in college football and is making a name for himself. But, uh, yeah, this, this, was, this was really fun to find out that this existed. Uh, think he could have gone with Dijon Robinson. I think that has a little better flow to it. I'll talk to him about that, but <laughs> Bijan Mustardson, not bad. Tagline, it's like a touchdown in your mouth. Again, uh, I don't know if that should have been the official tagline because the secondary tagline is the official Dijon of Bijan, which has, a, I feel like, a way better ring to it. Uh, and it's like a touchdown in your mouth. It's a little sexual uh, for a family-friendly NIL deal about mustard. I, I don't know if I love that. Uh, but, yeah, the official Dijon of Bijan. Little, little pricey Bijan. We got we to gotta bring that down and make it available to the kids. You know, don't want to go the, uh, the Michael Jordan approach to pricing your sneakers out of the general public. You don't want to price your mustard out of the general public, man. Get it in, get it in stores. Get it in Target. And uh, the people will be picking it up. Get me some affordable Bijan Mustardson, and I will be the brand ambassador for that product. Let me tell you, there's merchandise on the way. If you head over to BijanMustardson.com, you can you can check it out for yourself. The mustard is there. The merch is coming soon. Apparently, I will be. You know, as long as the <laughs> as long as the shipping isn't you know forty dollars on the T-shirt, maybe I'll get myself one of those. But damn, dude, help me out, Bijan. <laughs> Uh, if you if you go on BijanMustardson.com, uh, there's there's a, a scrolling bar across the top. It says, "Finally, a gourmet Dijon mustard from football running back Bijan Robinson." It's like, yeah, finally, all I've been waiting <laughs> the, for my whole life. The people, the first time I ever heard the words Bijan Robinson, the first thing that came to my mind was, "Why does this guy not have mustard? <laughs> Why does this guy not have Dijon mustard behind his name?" And now that is a dream come true much like it will be for someone who drafts him 101 in the uh, in the summer next year. Yeah, we'll have to ask Bijan if we can uh, start reading ads for Bijan Mustardson yes. uh, for Camp Dynasty. Yeah. Have our people reach out to his people. We'll get that arranged. But All right, well, that is, uh, that is Campfire Stories, and that is the summer scouting phase of Camp Dynasty. It is all systems go from here. We are moving into the college football season where we will be following along with all of these campers that we've talked about and more. Uh, and you know, it, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to, we're going to be tuned in and, 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 uh, you know, telling everybody which games to be looking out for every weekend. If you're not a college football fan, now's the time because you got two uh, people right here that, that weren't, and, and I'm all in, man. I was I was looking up the Week Zero games and everything. <laughs> yeah, I was looking up the FBS slate. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> oh, getting pumped up, but... 
All right. Well, until we meet again, it's been a real pleasure, and I hope that everybody has a great week.